You have tuned into Parexcel's podcast series, Decentrally Speaking, where we explore opportunities to operationalize decentralized clinical trials across our industry. Hi, everyone. I'm Ros Round, Vice President of Parexcel's Patient Innovation Center. Welcome to today's Decentrally Speaking podcast, where I'm delighted to be speaking with members of a recently completed fully virtual trial, which was deployed in partnership between AstraZeneca and Parexel. What's particularly interesting about this study is that it began before the pandemic, before DCTs were mainstream, and then recruitment ended during the pandemic. It's also a fantastic case study on how to thoroughly integrate the patient voice into DCT design, both from early patient insights during the planning stage, then incorporating feedback during the study, and then also seeking feedback at the end to inform future trial design. So today we're going to talk to you about the team's experience, some of the innovative approaches used in the trial and also lessons learned. I'm excited, therefore, to introduce our two guests for today. Evelina, welcome. Hi, Ross, and thanks for inviting us. I'm Evelina Bjornsson and I work within study management early, where me and my team are delivering phase one and phase two studies in respiratory and immunology. And my role in this study was really to design the study and set it up. And after some time, I handed it over to Karin, my colleague, who is also here. Hi, Ross. Yes, so I'm a global study director working within Evelina's team. And as Evelina said, I had the pleasure of following this study through from first subject into DBL. Brilliant. Thank you both for joining us. I'm excited. Let's dive in. So the first question, can you just start by explaining a little bit about the study for our listeners today to kind of set the scene? Yes. So this was a phase one study. It was a pharmacokinetic study in adolescents with mild asthma. And all those challenges really wanted us to take a more virtual approach. And it was set up at a number of sites in the US. Yeah. And what was very much on the forefront of design of this study was that it was adolescents, it was busy teenagers having a lot of extracurricular activities, uh, also trying to fit in the parents' schedule into this type of trial. And there was also very long visits at some of the scheduled visits in the study, up to 12 hours, in fact. So that proved us to, to really think about how to design this study and to try to make it as comfortable as possible for the teenagers, as flexible as possible for both the parents and the teenagers. And that ended up with part of the study being done at home. So we added on a home nursing component. We also added on a patient app component where the subjects could easily sort of give the sites information about the doses that they were taken, any symptoms of asthma that they would have during the study and so forth. Perfect. That's really helpful. Thank you very much. We spoke in the introduction about the fact that you got feedback from these patients and their caregivers during the planning phase of the trial to make sure that really the study was designed around meeting those teenagers' needs. So can you tell us a little bit about that element, please? Yes. So together with Parexcel, we went through a process that you call the patient-centric protocol optimization. So in this exercise, we learned that the patients would need education around all the study practicalities and also that they had a preference to receive a stipend to participate in the study. So this was really something that we tried to build into the material and the agreement with the sites. 
We also asked the patients for feedback on the virtual model that we planned. And two thirds of the respondents showed an interest in a decentralized trials. And that was really the reason for us to go with a virtual setup to really bring in this patient perspective into the trial and study design. And at the time, it was quite revolutionary, wasn't it? There weren't many decentralized trials going on. So teenagers, I believe, seemed like the perfect spot, the perfect way for us to approach this, where they all spend their lives on their cell phones. And as you said, making sure that it really fits around their lives. So it was definitely an exciting project and we were interested. I remember us all sitting there at the meeting, looking at the results of the feedback from the patients and being really glad that we felt like we were on the right track. Yeah, I really agreed. And I think that was really the important step here to ask the patients before we really executed on this. Absolutely. Yes. Brilliant. So can you talk to us a bit more about some of the home nursing elements and also what the impact of the pandemic had on plans from kind of where you started and then what happened as you were going through the study and the pandemic really kicked off? Yes. So when we designed the study, We really know that we had a lot of challenges with those long PK visits. We were in an adolescent population, which we know is difficult to recruit into. So our ambition was really to slim the study down as much as possible and only really include those assessments that are crucial to deliver the study objectives. So we really tried to pressure test everything that we did put into that protocol. So we thought we did a pretty good job with the schedule of assessments until the home nurse vendor was engaged. And what they did, they really started to map out the exact visit schedule when everything needed to happen, including all the assessments, including unpacking all the equipment and put the home ready for the trial assessment. And it was really when the complexity of this setup was clearly visualized and we understood that this was something that we would have been needed to do when we designed the trial and not after the design of the trial. Absolutely. So yeah, it was a very, very kind of step-by-step in minute detail, wasn't it, of this is how the nurse arrives and this is what they unpack. And then where do they collect the centrifuge? And what about dry ice for packing the materials? And how does the courier come? And when do they come to collect it? So it was a very, very detailed exercise. Yes, exactly. And it was also with those really long visits, we couldn't have one nurse covering the whole day. So we also needed two nurses covering the full day. And it was also about this schedule of how they were handing over to each other. So it was a lot of details that was mapped out and it was really an eye opener for us. So maybe in future, you'd recommend bringing in the home nurse partner very, very early on to help with some of that mapping. Yes, that is something they would really need to be part of designing the study from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Karen, what about from you? What did you learn during the experience? Yeah, maybe to build on what Evelina said on just having two nurses for each visit, because what we also did was not only do blood sampling at home, but, but the nurses also had to do what we call spirometry and also ECGs. And that actually took a lot of training for a home nurse to do. And that sort of introduced also some strain, some flexibility on their part because they had to be very trained. So they weren't easily swapped. And you can also imagine an adolescent population may also be more prone to sort of cancel visits at short notice and you have to reschedule at short notice. And the home nurse setup was somewhat inflexible in that sense because the home nurses were also, of course, occupied with other studies. So they couldn't just swap from one day to the next. So I think that was one main learning that we really needed to think about how many nurses we would allocate per site. 
And we ended up with four per site. And that, of course, also has a cost impact, basically. Mm -hmm. But I would say one other major thing that we learned was that in the beginning, we actually thought that all of the families would welcome this home nurse setup and the home nurse into their house. One thing that we actually found was that patients in lower socioeconomic areas actually did not want the home nurses to come to their homes. We thought in the beginning that this was something that everybody would welcome, but actually subjects refused to participate based on this setup. So what we had to do mid-trial was to introduce a more flexible approach. So we ended up amending our protocol, making it more flexible and enabling the subjects and the parents to actually choose where they wanted to have the visit. And some actually chose to go to the site to have the visits and some was happy to actually welcome the nurse into their homes. But I think the key here is make your study flexible. Absolutely. Yes. Patients tell us time and again that they want flexibility for sure. That was really interesting learning about the home nursing and how sometimes in DCT, I think we think we've fixed something and then it brings up another issue that we haven't even anticipated. So what about on the technology side? What have you learned there? Yes, so the technology that we used in this study was, first of all, a very interactive app that included both ePROS, EDC and telemedicine. And all of this worked actually very well. We also had, as Karin mentioned, the home nurses doing both spirometry and ECG in the patient's home. So that was also part of the technology that we used. So outside of the technology, what we learned in the planning of the study was really the importance of the investigator having access to real-time data to be able to keep the proper oversight of the patient. And that's where the more complex piece came in around the technology and how we were going to achieve that. But we had very good conversations with the investigators and we managed to set up systems where they could monitor the patients in real time. So they could really see the spirometry, the ECG coming in to a platform they could also connect with the home nurses and they could also connect with the patients in real time through telemedicine. I would say that the investigators that we worked with, they were really early adopters and very willing to make this work. And they all did an amazing job. And I think the communication and the collaboration we had throughout the study was very successful. And I think one big piece was that we really included the investigators in having their say and build the processes and really listen to them and what their needs were. Absolutely. And as you said, they were early adopters. And I remember having those discussions with some of them at the investigator meeting where at the time, pre-pandemic, the concept of a physician doing a video call was pretty wild. It was really out there and it took us quite a long time during feasibility to find sites that were open to it. Whereas now that's just the way of the world. So I think this definitely paved the way for uh, making it easier for DCT to be implemented compared to perhaps how it was just a couple of short years ago. It's really interesting looking back. So once the trial ended, you sought patient feedback then too, to make sure that you could inform future strategies and future studies. So can you share what some of the key takeaways were from that patient feedback, please? Yes, I think there were two main feedbacks, actually. And one of them, the, the majority of the subjects actually found home blood samplings to be comfortable and it didn't really introduce any difficulties once the nurse was at their home which I think is very, you know, good <laughs> because of course there can be this sense that if, if you're not at the hospital, then you are not as comfortable doing these blood samplings. 
The other main thing I think was also that we found that the preference was that the majority Around two thirds of them actually liked to have some of the trials at home, but really the mix, I think, was what the majority was after. So the mix that we actually had, having some at home and some at site, was the preferred option. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Really helpful for future planning for sure. Yeah. So finally, from both of you, what advice would you give to others planning a fully or partially decentralized trial based on what you've learned? So I think we have touched upon all those different aspects that we want to bring up here in the end. And one piece of it is really involve all partners and map the cross-functional process from the beginning. I mentioned before about the home nurses coming in and mapping out the visits. It would be much more beneficial to have them early on being part of designing the study. And to build on that, don't underestimate the complexity of the trial. It was quite a simple protocol, a simple trial, but translating that into something that we could operationalize in a virtual setting that became really, really complex. And one big learning is really that if you are going to do a virtual trial, design it as a virtual trial from the beginning And don't translate a final design into virtual because that will make it much simpler for you to understand the complexity that the virtual elements bring. And that will make it a much better study to operationalize in the end. Yeah, for sure, Evelina. And just as we discussed earlier as well, just including the flexibility from the from the beginning, I think is also key because we kind of assumed what the adolescents wanted or what the families wanted, but in the end... All of them didn't want that. So just have it, have it opened and have them make the decision. I think it's very good. Absolutely. Really not assuming what patients want and taking the time to listen and build things around that. Yes. Perfect. You have both been fantastic. I appreciate it. So thank you very much to Evelina and Karen from AstraZeneca for joining us today and enabling our audience to benefit from their experience. It's been incredibly interesting. And thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in next time as our Decentrally Speaking series continues to engage with other subject matter experts and thought leaders on expanding clinical access for patients through the use of decentralized trials.